0: this is the rest is pr with lyle fulton and jackie vores hello everyone and welcome once again to the rest is pr my name as it will always be barring instant is lyle fulton and i'm joined as i hope i always will be by the absolutely wonderful jackie vores now you'll probably notice listeners as you're as as you're in what you're hearing that I'm I'm laughing away I'm chuckling away because our guest who I'm going to introduce in just a moment has just carried us in for this recording in the most brilliant way I think we've ever been carried in for a podcast and I cannot wait to introduce our guest but first things first Jackie it's been a little bit of time hasn't it we haven't recorded one in a little while because yeah. we've been away doing various things how are you how's your week been
1: how are things I'm great I can't remember where we were when we left off <laughs> the days are starting to meld into each other at the moment there's all sorts of traffic happening in my life at the moment That's so it. obviously the wedding is coming down the track like a juggernaut at this me well
0: I hate so I hate to do a segue so early but we've just been counted down and counted in for this episode by our brilliant guest. the countdown is well and truly on for the wedding it's three weeks yes Goodness, wow that is close that is close how's cool. it all going
1: well, I had my final fitting for the dress, which has left me in a state of abject terror about being able to fit in the dress on the day. So as soon as I got back, everything that was sweet or carbohydrate lead was taken out of the house. I'm I'm on a I'm on a diet to make sure I can get into the dress on the day. That's all I'm worried about. As soon as I'm in the dress, I will be snuffling profiteroles before your <laughs> very eyes.
0: And I have every confidence that you will fit into your dress. <laughs> in three weeks
1: (laughs) I I, I don't know what I'm gonna do
0: and that's I love proud of myself now all of a sudden proud of myself for this segue because listeners I promised I would introduce this guest in a truly remarkable way she's a fantastic guest we're so grateful to have her on the podcast this week we are joined this week listeners by the absolutely brilliant Esther Stanhope and the reason I said I kind of emphasized confidence is because this is what this podcast is going to be entirely about making an impact building confidence Esther First and foremost, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you this fine Friday
2: morning? Hello, Lyle. Hello, Jackie. And congratulations for getting married. Oh my God, you didn't tell me that. A... Yay! I can give you some tips if you're going to do a speech. I'll give you loads of wedding tips. I've got loads of tips. I'll ask for
1: congratulations. Definitely.
2: Well, you can ask me for them as part of the interview if you want. Yeah, you <laughs> I mean, that's my speciality. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm having a good week. I'm having my pre-summer rush where I've been. I've done Son of a Pitch workshop this week. I've done How to Network When You Hate Small Talk, quite a few one-to-ones and a couple of eulogy one-to-ones, helping people with their speeches. And now I'm going to help you with your wedding speech. I've even got a blog about it. So there this you go. <laughs> is brilliant.
0: This is brilliant already. This is fantastic. Well, listeners, I mean, it, it goes without saying, Esther's already done an absolutely brilliant job of kind of introducing herself, which is remarkable. But let me just launch in. And I know I say this all the time when we record a podcast that, you know, strap in listeners for the list of things I'm about to rattle off about our guests. But I really do mean it as well on this particular occasion. Esther is remarkable. Esther has been here, there, and everywhere. Esther is a keynote speaker, an award-winning author, an experienced BBC broadcaster, and founder of the 80% perfect though, which we're going to talk quite a lot about uh, throughout this episode. And she's also known in the city. And I love this name. And if you go on LinkedIn and search Esther Stanhope, I absolutely adore this. She's known as the Impact Guru. She's known as the Impact Guru and she's helped FTSE 100 firms make an impact, win pitches, perfect the art of public speaking and networking. First things first, Esther, you've already done a brilliant job of explaining like your last few weeks, which have been absolutely mad. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career so far? Because that's remarkable. And I'm really, really excited for this one. I certainly could do with some tips myself, I think, as well. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you came to be the Impact Guru and and your career so far, if you wouldn't mind?
2: Okay, so I've had a long, rich and varied career. Um, which is good because it means I've got a lot of experience and a lot of tips that I can share about how to be more confident. I wrote this book called Goodbye Glossophobia, and I'm holding it up now if you're watching this. And it's it's a, uh, it won the highly commended short business book of the year because it's got lots of graphics and pictures in it, not many words. Um, <laughs> but it's all about public speaking. And so I'm going to start really about why I'm so passionate about helping people with speaking confidence, imposter syndrome, the fear of self-doubt, having to stand up and speak in meetings, having to stand up and speak in panel interviews, on stage, on Teams, on Zoom, on camera. People really feel uncomfortable with it. And I used to be a very, very nervous speaker myself, which is why I, I wrote Goodbye Glossophobia, because glossophobia is the fear of public speaking. And I I, I used to sweat, shake. Chapter one is literally just a description of me losing it at the Edinburgh Television Festival because I used to work in television and I had to go and do this speech. And I was terrible. I hated it so much. I was in that 75% of the population that that would rather die in a hole than speak in public. Um, And I tried everything. I tried imagining the audience naked. Doesn't work. I I tried breathing. (laughs) I've got loads of breathing exercises, actually. It does work. But if you're in a total blind panic, it's really difficult to get your head in the right space. So so now what I do is I go into businesses and I'm helping pitch teams from all over the world. In Turkey as well. I know you've got some people listening in Turkey. Hello, Turkey. Hello, Turkish audience. Um, We love you, Turkey. (laughs) I, I work with people from all over the world, quite often in a hybrid environment helping them to captivate their audience. So 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 when I when I'm the I was called the impact guru because one of my clients, it was Deloitte, I think, called me, oh, you do personal impact. And I went, do I? All right, okay. I'm having that. I'm gonna borrow that. (laughs) So then the, the impact guru became just because it kind of does it's a bit odd, isn't it, what's personal impact, but it kind of does what it says on the tin. It's about on camera, on stage, in meetings. MCing an event, hosting a panel, being on a panel, getting your job promotion, that the end of year chat, you know, how do you communicate really well all the time? So if you're going to if you're going to do a speech at a wedding, how can you nail that two or three minutes really well? And you're not that far away from it. I mean, Honestly, I'm a tried and tested human experiment. I can, I've got loads of tips. which you can ask me any question about communication in any scenario, and I've probably got a hack or a blog or a tip, or it's definitely going to be in my book. And by the way, if you link in with me, if you're listening to this and you link in with Esther Stanhope, the Impact Guru, and send me a DM, not a shoe, a direct message, and say, "Please, <laughs> can I have your audiobook?" I will give you my audiobook for free. I'm oh, giving away free I audiobooks.
0: I was giving it yesterday. Audi-
2: oh, did I give you? Oh, yes, Lyle. I, I was did. It get it? Yeah. I know. I should oh, I'll it. get I you.
0: given it, Jackie, and I was I'll on send my way you the out. Link. And I went. Yeah. I'm going to listen to it. And I'm going to listen to it after we recorded this episode. And yeah, absolutely do it because Esther sent it across to me. And I actually, I mean, I was today years old when I learned that glossophobia was fear of public speaking. I had absolutely no idea that that was even the word for it. So yeah, I mean. Definitely. I would encourage anyone to do that. I'm going to go away and listen to it this weekend at 100%. I mean, speaking of 100%, we have the 80% Club. Don't we? Yeah,
2: so I've got an online coaching. It's If you can't afford a one-to-one coach, because people really want help in this area, mm. and, you know, it's quite expensive. <laughs> but So what I did was, because I, I speak at, for, for large audiences now, it's part of my job, I'm a keynote speaker, I speak to hundreds of people frequently. And what I find is that, People need a little bit of extra help and a little extra support and not everyone can afford a coach. And if you're starting out in your career and you've got a bit of imposter syndrome, you're like, Oh, I know I need to get myself out there, but I'm a bit, I just feel a bit uncomfortable. I don't want to be sending junk emails to people. I feel like I don't want to expose myself. It's a bit naff. I feel fake. All those things. Totally normal. Most people feel like that. So I set up this club, the 80% perfect club so you can think think to yourself i only need to be 80% perfect <laughs> and and really it's got them it's every monday i send a monday mission this week you know spruce up your linkedin profile and then the next week it might be try pausing before you answer a question in meetings this week or it might be write a little article or like and share somebody else's article it's just a little reminder of each week to do something to make yourself more visible so, so my, all of my messaging really is about, we all know that you're good at your job, you're technically brilliant, but how visibly brilliant are you? So you're doing a podcast, Jackie and Lyle, so you're getting yourselves out there doing a podcast, but it makes a difference, doesn't it, to your profile?
1: 100%. And, it, you know, I think when you just said leave a pause, I think sometimes it's a lot of it's what you don't say, and it's just taking the time to, you know, get the the room right. Before you say what you're going to say and get your head right before you say what you're going to say,
2: I heard something recently which is you can pause for four seconds before the audience thinks it's weird. But So I tried it the other day and
1: this is weird. Okay,
2: okay so just hang on, bear with me. Okay, ready? So when we're talking about pausing, See, that's too long it's too weird that's too long <laughs> what do you think you think four, four seconds just feels so long it, really it does.
0: I'm also gonna have to be really careful in the edit now that normally I would like but for, for that to have the desired effect I'm going to have to leave just four seconds in you're right though <laughs> it is remarkably weird it's fantastic I mean but I think these are things that for example, I you know certain individuals and certain business professionals take for, take a little bit for granted. I mean arguably that you mentioned the 75 percent of the population who really don't like you know public speaking, I mean I've been quite fortunate in the past to get get the odd you know a few few nerves and things like that. but as an actor, first and foremost, so that my training is in acting and I still act you know in, in other sort of various parts of my life you know i'm quite lucky that i'm arguably in the 25 and i maybe take
1: for this granted is interesting as well know. because we all share a common education path mm. There's esther did drama as well at university so do you think that that helps that sort of that dramatic background has helped propel you to where you are now
2: you know, it's really interesting because when I was at college, I used to suffer from stage fright. And I, what I love about drama is I love the storytelling. I love the craft. I love the design. I love everything about drama and about characters and telling story, coming up with a script. I love all of that. But I, when it came to actually acting, I just felt so awkward. I never felt good enough. It's. Gosh, I just felt like a failure. So I ended up actually being really successful directing. So I actually got a first from from the bit of my degree, which was a, the practical bit, because I became a director and people said, oh, you should be in Esther's uh, play because she always, you know, it'll be good <laughs> because I was I I just loved the whole getting other people to be good I was really good at getting other people to be good but also I would would always experiment and I'd say right I want the best set designer the best costume person the best sound person anyone who wants to experiment and do some fun stuff you know you can be in my kind of my team whereas a lot of people they want to act I think if you really want to act you look for the good roles right whereas I kind of enjoyed I loved all the training I love improv I love voice Coaching, so I know all of the tools, and I've and I know all of the what you need. I know about body language. I've done singing lessons, acting lessons, physical theatre. But I was, I've always, even when I was at the BBC for all those years producing, I've always really been more comfortable helping others. And it it wasn't until I was in my forties that I actually ventured into the spotlight. (laughs) I mean, I did work in television, and I. I think if you work in TV and radio, you always end up doing stuff because it's cheaper when you can actually record stuff. Yeah. But I never felt like I was good. <laughs> I always felt I hate watching myself back. I'm, I'm used to it now. Mm. Most people say to me, oh, "I hate cameras." Well, I understand that feeling because I used to feel like that. Yeah. And I think what's happened. So in so it, and that's a long answer to your question. The answer is my background has absolutely helped me to create formulas. I know what to do. And I have applied all my tips now to myself and I've brought myself, I've dragged myself kicking and screaming from behind (laughs) the scenes into the spotlight. But the difference between where I am now compared to where I was at college and even at the BBC as a producer, the difference is my attitude is different. I think it's because I've realized and I know that I am still helping other people. All of my messages and all my all my material is about you the audience. It's about helping you. It's not really about me. Although you know I do tell stories, I tell personal stories about how I failed in my promotion interview (laughs) or how I I interviewed George Clooney or what Madonna was like in real life.
0: We are going to get on to, trust me. Yeah, I know, I know. Because I am so, so keen on Clooney (laughs) and Madonna. I mean, but this is really interesting, actually. This really intrigues me because I think, I mean, I'm almost certain I have met people like yourself who, you know, exhibit skills that I'm about to mention, but I don't think anyone has explained them quite as definitively as you've just done, which is that you clearly saw throughout your education, the merits of not only absorbing what you were being taught, but how, like how you were being taught and the ways in which people were teaching you things and the ways in which people were imparting wisdom. I feel like it's a bit of a loaded question, but like, is is what you do now like an amalgamation of just everything you've absorbed and picked up from?
2: Yes, so what I'm hearing is, is what I do now is, is all the, every single thing I've done, including my degree, going back all the, many years ago, yeah. folks, many years. <laughs> <laughs> I've dyed my roots. So you couldn't possibly tell. <laughs> um, uh, what, what you're saying is what I'm doing now is relevant and, and I'm using all my skills that I've learned throughout my life. And you know what the answer to that is? Absolutely. Yes. And this is my advice, right? If you are good at stuff, it means that you'll probably you probably find it quite easy. You probably think, ah, oh, that's easy, doesn't everyone do this? So for example, I'm pretty good at making other people feel confident. I'm pretty good at making other people shine when they're on a stage or shine in front of the camera and tell jokes and they're funny and they're charismatic. And I give them that confidence because I say, this is what, look at your, look at what you're made of, you know, listen to your voice, listen to your stories. And I love giving people that confidence and I empower other people. So I didn't really realise for years, you know, that that was a skill. I just thought, it's my job. So what
1: was, the, what was the catalyst for you? What was the catalyst when you suddenly thought, OK, this is my passion. This is actually what I can do and I can help people with. What started you on your course that you're on now?
2: Yeah. So I was at the BBC for many years. And before that, I worked in um, television and I absolutely loved it. And I, was, I launched Vanessa Feltz's radio show and I, I was looking after the big, big name presenters. And then one day an agent came in and he said, I've got this author, but he's really dull. Can you give him a personality? Thank you. And I said, uh, yeah, I can. And he went, no, no, I'm not joking. If I pay you to take a day off, will you spend a day with this guy? And I don't care. You could book a camera crew, whatever you need to do for a day. I'll pay for it. Please, I'm begging you. Can you give this guy a personality? So I thought, all right, you're on. So I took a day off. I borrowed the work experience news crew. (laughs) I said, (laughs) can you bring some monitors and microphones down? (laughs) This guy had an office down near where the radio studio was. And I spent a day with this guy. And... And he was pretty, rather dull in the morning. And and I <laughs> thought through, what is it that you need? Well, it's to do with being comfortable in your own skin. It's about being honest with, about who you are. It's about your posture. And this is all the dramery stuff. It's about the way you stand. It's the way you hold yourself. You know, are you apologising about your space? Are you using your voice? Do you care about your interviewee? You know, what are you doing? How are you doing it? And are you smiling? Because smiling is a massive part of performance, as you know, if no, you've we're done all
1: smiling, smiling at the camera.
2: But <laughs> right, if you smile at the camera, right, you look like you you can do it. It's like yeah. you yeah. own it. You're relaxed. You're generous. You. It's, it's there's not one downside to smiling at the camera. Anyway, by the end of the day, this guy was. I was getting in, interviewing people in the street, and just I just got him to relax. I got him to warm up physically, warm up, and just go for it and. What I would describe as taking the lid off his personality and go for it and stop holding himself back, and by the end of the day he was hugging me and he was so funny and Mr. Charisma, and and the agent came back in the afternoon and went, "What have you done to this guy? My God, this is magic!" And but that day I just I'd had my was I think I'd had my son. I don't know whether I'd had my daughter or my son. Anyway, I'm a, I'm a working mum. It's hard, right? It's really really hard being a working mum, and I just remember thinking. Oh my goodness. I really, I just felt so happy. I loved it. I was like, this, I love doing this. I love doing this. Oh, I'm putting all my, I'm putting everything all together. I want to do this. Could I do this as a job? (laughs) Could I actually leave my, golden handcuffs we used to call it golden handcuffs leave the bbc like as if you're in prison <laughs> somebody <laughs> told me when they worked for another channel they said oh we call it the velvet coffin because <laughs> <Velvet laughs> your job is so terrible you're dead you know it's not that bad there but it's quite nice. the idea well, of escaping I
0: mean, there's a whole bbc Oh, conversation to be had yeah so, the whole like, yes yeah, absolutely um, look you know.
2: i absolutely loved it there. Look, i've even got maybe an old vintage bbc yeah. thing here yeah. and i'm so, i was so proud i'm proud that i work there you know and, and people say do you miss it uh no i love doing what i do i love helping people but that was the moment that was a moment and i so thought
1: in, what did you do with i'm gonna that? do this as a job
2: yeah so i i just told a couple of people that were in business and I said, I'm thinking about leaving the BBC and helping people that really need to build up their confidence. And, and they went, oh, you mean media training? And I said, uh, actually, no, it's the opposite. Because when, when you're a producer, if they go, oh, I've been media trained, you think, <laughs> oh, no, that means they're not going to answer the questions.
1: <laughs> oh, is that the reaction? We well, the it's one- like, I don't
2: one one want somebody happened. that's going to have a, an AI answer. I want somebody yeah, that's, that's going to go... I want someone who's just going to go, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I really think.
1: <laughs> but don't you think um, the better media trainers, and I think Guy would agree with me, because we had Guy Clapton on here. He's a great media Oh, trainer. I know him. Yes. Do you, you? So he's yes. brilliant. And I think the good media trainers don't try to to kind of get people to polish things up a bit and change they they kind of want people to just present themselves and present what they want to say in an interesting way in a confident way but I do see the difference between what you're doing and what a media trainer would do and then again you have your political media trainers who are all about how do you get off that subject and onto another subject and completely gloss over the question and avoid it and say something interesting elsewhere
2: I think any kind of any kind of input when it comes to performance and being on camera is good. Any kind of confidence boosting has got to be positive for your career. So absolutely. However, it when when I was started out on my journey to setting up my own business helping people to pitch and present, I definitely went into a direction of it's, it was about personal impact it was about getting promoted it wasn't necessarily about media training so that was where that was where I didn't know what it was I didn't even know what a media trainer was I had no I didn't know what to call it <laughs> I didn't know what to call myself anyway I spoke to a couple of people my, my friend who worked for a big corporate accountancy firm he's the one that said what a brilliant idea my team need that so when you're ready to, to leave the BBC come and see me and we'll have a meeting and I did. And I had a meeting um, in the big shiny building in London with, I had I one smart outfit, one smart outfit. And I turned up with a little camera and a little tripod and, and he said, yeah, I'll put you onto the, the learning and development. So now I know it's learning and development. They're the people that I work with a lot and HR people and heads of departments. And it turned out that all of the skills that I, that I could do all, all of my skills of how to tell a story, how to be yourself, how to be charismatic, how to show your true your true self in in, in the most positive light. Turns out that's really good for business. Well yeah and I mean, 100%, yes I mean... what's the
1: difference between what you do? because I can see the difference between media relations, but what's the difference between that and life coaching? Is there a crossover?
2: um life coaching is much more about us you know it's about your actual life and hopes and aspirations isn't it really I don't know I've
1: never done life coaching
2: no (laughs) we're not not well aren't we all on a life? aren't we all doing it
0: (laughs) (laughs) day in day out we're all just coaching ourselves (laughs) through life I mean it's really interesting as well like I, I get the sense that there are elements of it because obviously things you train I say train, Th- things you engage with your clients on. So body language, you know, spoken word, like taking a breath, you know, all of the kind of tactics that you and the wisdom you impart. Yes, they're really, really good for business. And, you know, you go into fifty one hundred 100 firms, and you go into all sorts of organizations and, you know, people do improve their public speaking skills and things like that. But I, I'm with Jackie and I think kind of linking what Jackie just said. I imagine they also then take that into their, personal lives like their their confidences but I mean have you have you worked with clients for an extended period of time who have obviously seen their professional output improve but have also come to you with feedback and gone oh Esther by the way yeah it's, it, it's not just in my working life like I feel that much more fulfilled and confident in my personal life just like walking around time
2: yeah, I mean, one of my clients a few years ago, she sent me a really nice note saying, "Oh, wow, I love that session that you ran. Um, you because I went down to Southampton and we did this big away day for quite a large number. We had a chat and and we were hanging out together for you know had coffee afterwards and stuff. And she said, you know, and since then, you know, I've actually shed three stone in weight. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> Hang on a minute, I. I never do that, hang
1: on, tell me what did right. I do to make you do something? Stop this podcast now, come around to my... Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, i got a wedding dress to get into Yeah, I know you were I saying know. that, and I was thinking,
2: oh no, I don't want to go down the whole body shaming image and all that sort of stuff, but you know, I, of course I'm, I'm messed up about, you know, my um, my own self-image, I think most people are, particularly if you're a woman of a certain age, sorry everybody about having to mention that, but you know, it's, it's always a constant issue, isn't it, trying to fit into things, fit into the old wedding dress. My wedding dress is so far away from my size now. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. I'm sure you're going to look gorgeous. Anyway, I just found that quite fascinating. I don't set out to change people's lives necessarily. I'm, I'm helping them to get promoted and to be successful. It's not mainly in the professional sense, right? But I was quite yeah. shocked by that. And I said to her, how did you lose <laughs> and, her, and her answer to me was, it's all here. It's all up here. She, as, she, as, she, as she said, tapping her head as in, it's all mental. It's mental. It's all up there. It's all your brain. And it's about attitude. And it's about feeling better about yourself. And it's about feeling confident and feeling in control and taking control of your life and saying, you know what? I'm not happy with my image. I'm not happy with, with my life. I really, you know, I want to get promoted. I want to be more successful. I want to feel and, and look and sound good, right? And and my tips help you with that, but, you know, not necessarily <laughs> to that extent. So, yes, it, it, I suppose if you feel good about yourself and, and you feel like, yeah, I can do this,
1: So I want that to is ask, going to what, affect it. Because, as you say, you, what you do is, is is help people make an impact in everything they do. And it. it in interviews or in just a public speaking environment what's the most common request that you get
2: well hopefully the the, the most lucrative one <laughs> is oh can you come and speak at our you know international women's day we've got women leaders or we've got a, a women's network can you come and speak about imposter syndrome or can you come and speak about women and confidence and speaking up and that's probably one of the most popular requests. And and then what happens, it's really interesting, then you you speak to a room full of people and a lot of women are less likely to put themselves out there in terms of their career compared to men. And and, and that's quite interesting when you hear people talking about that.
1: I heard that reflected just recently in a couple of events that I've been part of. I did a webinar with She Can Code yesterday. And, and the sort of questions you're, you're getting is, Or you all stemmed from this feeling of being an imposter, feeling not good enough, feeling that you could, where would you, how would you put yourself out there? You know, how would you network? How would you do these things? And I was, you know, it's staggering to me that there, there is so much opportunity now for women to go to networking events and stuff like that. But there is that, as your client said, that mental approach, which is I'm not good enough and therefore I won't even jump in and take advantage of all these events. So I'll leave it to the blokes.
2: Absolutely. And that's why I I set up the 80% Perfect Club really is is to help. Because, you know, one tip, if you don't feel like you're good enough, and this applies to men, women, and everyone in between, if you don't feel like you're good enough, it's really helpful to think, stop trying to be perfect. Just think to yourself, I only need to be 80% perfect, and then you can fill in the perfection later on. Don't let that hold you back. And by the way, Lyle, this isn't about – it's not that men are not involved in this conversation. Men are really, really important in this whole conversation about imposter syndrome and confidence. It's really important that men hear – what's being said and a lot of men feel like it themselves as well it's not only exclusive it's not a gender Im- exclusive um, feeling imposter men feel terribly uh, they 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 also feel it men also have imposter syndrome
0: absolutely that oh, bit. Yeah. oh yeah no absolutely <laughs> and I think I think it's very very valid and I mean I think it's important that men hear both sides like I think it's important that men don't feel like stubborn and manly enough to be like oh no I never feel like an imposter in my professional life no I'm you know that." You know, talk about it, guys. You know, it's 2023. You're so right. Everyone feels it. But I also think it's important that men understand that you know women in business and everyone in between you know, between men and women in business like you know do continue to feel this way and it's 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 a, our collective responsibility that to build each other up and make sure that everyone's sort of feeling as you know so sort of confident and feeling as appreciated as they possibly can in the workplace. That's something I was going to ask you and feel free to kind of you know open up about this as much as you feel comfortable. It strikes me and I and I think I sent it across in, in the briefing document that the way you speak on things like imposter syndrome and on you know sort of feeling confident in of your workplace in and of your skill set comes from a position of having experienced a bit of it yourself I mean is that something you've experienced in your own professional life before and is it something that you overcome or you have overcome using the advice you've given to, to other people and using the things you, you sort of talk about in when, when you go and speak at these events is it something that you've experienced in the past
2: Absolutely. And everyone suffers from imposter syndrome. And when I was a producer at the BBC, the most famous people, politicians, well, you can imagine presenters, famous presenters, famous (laughs) unnamed presenters. Everyone has inner demons. And then actually the bigger the ego, the bigger the demons. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. everyone is scared. I mean, the really big name personalities, they're terrified of their reputation. They're terrified of getting it wrong or looking stupid. So they're even worse about perfectionism. And then they get angry and then they're difficult to work with. And, so, and I always found I've worked quite well with difficult
0: people. <laughs> You've worked with some very difficult people, by the way. I mean, that's not just an opinion. Like, yeah. this is kind of widely held. I mean, like, you know, the list, I mean, not difficult... I don't have a first-hand experience of how difficult these people are. I'm just going to put that on record to protect myself <laughs> against any accusations therein. But I mean, you know, people, you know, you've worked with in the past, I mean, Vanessa Feltz, Alistair Campbell, Boris Johnson. I mean, how was it to work with oh, these yeah.
2: people? Oh yeah. So, so for example, I, I've worked with, I have worked with those people. I've been in the same studio as them and I've had to produce them. I mean, quite often, you know, you are, you're, I'm doing, I was doing a technically brilliant job and, and, I, and this, this relates to the imposter syndrome theme as well. I was technically brilliant at producing. I, I, you know, Boris Johnson would come in here and go, have you got any tips? Got any tips? Where am I again? I'd go, you're live on the BBC. Do not swear. Here's the Daily Telegraph. We're talking about housing. Go." <laughs> <No." laughs> and he said, have you got any tips? And I said, yes, Boris, I have got a tip, actually. All you've got to do to be a successful presenter on air is love your audience a little bit more than yourself. Did he take my advice?
0: <laughs> I imagine that might have well, been quite difficult. actually,
1: I'm going to... I think he might have done when, when he was mayor. I think, yeah. I, I think awesome. he morphed into to something a bit different. But I think when he was mayor, he used to do those call-ins on LBC with Nick. Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah. And do you know what? He would seem to engage and seem to genuinely care about what people were saying to him and understand it. He seemed to. Yeah. And I think... He rose through the ranks. I think he lost that piece of advice, but I think that piece of advice might have cut through to him. Yes.
2: Maybe, but he was actually, he's a people person. He's very, Mm. he loves people. He loves being an entertainer. He's very good at it. He can wing it in, in that environment with just entertaining people. He's very quick and he can quickly give lots of attention to the people around him. And he does make you feel special. He used to come in on a bike and like knock over the camera. And, you know, he's he's got a lot of presence Uh, and whether it's good or bad, he's got a lot of it, whatever it is. But I'll tell you what. Um, so then one tiny little story about Alistair Campbell. He came in one day and he, he, we'd booked him to do a call in show. I can't even remember what the topic was, but he, it was live. It's always live calling. Right. And he came into the studio and went, I said, oh, are you ready to go on? he's like, is it live? I went, yeah, it's a live call in show. <laughs> oh, what do you mean you're going to put callers up? yes it's a live calling show right he's like when well, he said to me um i don't know if i'm up for this and i thought he was joking i was like <laughs> well it's the campbell you know yeah. that's no, actually a he was, blinding
0: like, impression of him as well the whole thing <laughs> <Yeah>, he's <laughs> like
2: uh uh and, and no, and he went know. no no and goes up uh, but, but but uh uh, yeah but what if, what if they ask something really what you know in other words, what if?" nutters are put through <laughs> start swearing at me uh, and as I was leading him he's quite tall and I'm short and I was leading him into the studio Okay. well you know what Alison, open the door, um, sit there while the, the calls come through here are your headphones um, what we do is we actually speak to them and we do a, we've got a really good way of just quickly working out how bad they are <laughs> you know they're going to be fine we won't put anyone through that you're three two one action
0: you sound like you were a brilliant producer because it was like you have no choice but to do. We should do that with guests, Jackie. We should do that with guests. Just be that like, right, and we're going. Yep,
2: cool, great. Yep, yeah. You just okay, great, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I was that I can do that, and I can work with difficult people. And I'm a good tip if you're working with a big ego. A really good tip is give them specific feedback. So so so. Oh yes, you're really good at this. Exact like call number two was amazing because what you did was you disarmed her and you made her feel she get you gained her trust like within the first thirty seconds, like very specific. And yeah. if a big ego gets specific feedback about something they've done or written, or they'll listen.
0: <laughs> I'm not for a second about to claim that my co-host wonderful Jackie Vores is in any way a big ego but this is the only way I can claim to segue this we have a case study we have a case in point Jackie is about to embark on a wedding She's about to potentially speak at a wedding. And we discussed this right at the very top of the episode. This is just like kind of a case study here. I'm putting you on the spot a bit here. So I do apologize. If you were to go into a workplace or if you, if someone like Jackie was to approach you and say that, like, I'm about to do a speech. I'm not necessarily the most confident um, public speaker. And I know Jackie is, but let's say for the sake of argument that someone isn't a, you know, a, a very confident public speaker. What what top tips, what top three tips would you give someone about to embark on their on their public speaking journey?
2: okay, so here's the thing Lyle again I'm talking specific so when you when people say you know what what are your top three tips generally I can give you three relatively vanilla tips but the tips are much more special aren't they if it's a bit more specific so Jackie if you came up to me and you said oh I've got to speak at my wedding right I look at you and I go, oh that's a great Jackie because you you're so sparky look at you you've you've got you've, you're already your personality is already bursting out of the screen right you've got those big glasses you've got your hair in pigtails and you've got on this happy bubbly fun a sense of fun about you so I would say to you Jackie specifically amp up the fun you know <laughs> what is the Jackie flavour <laughs> Flavor with lots of R's at the end. Flavor. Like, you know what? My kids would—they so, would literally kill me. They go, "Mommy, you're so embarrassing, <laughs> so uncool." But you know what I mean? Like, what's the vibe? God, God, stop it, Esther, stop it. But, you know, what's what's the Jackie? Like, what's the most Jackie-ish thing that you could do? And I would say, you know, you have got all those people there. They're all on your side. They all know you. Pick one story one story that the whole audience will totally get. So it might be about your other half. You know, pick one story that's really, really funny that everyone will relate to and go mad about it and make the most of it. And that way you don't need a script. And you don't need a list and you're going to go, I'm I'm going to stand up because most people go, I need to stand up. I need to thank everyone. Yeah, great. But don't make that your speech, just a list of thank yous. Because guess what? If there's 100 guests and you're thanking one, you know, these people one at a time. It's
1: actually a traumatic thing for me. How do you make something (laughs) personal to so many people? If you thank one, there'll be somebody who should be thanked.
2: It's like Oscar speeches; they're just so boring. <laughs> like a list. Like try and avoid a list in a speech. I mean, if you if you've got loads of people to thank, well then th- if you have to thank certain people, thank them at the end, right? But at the beginning, make sure that audience has got some entertainment. The one person they absolutely know is you, and they probably will know and or know of your other half. So give them a really good. Story, it could be the first time you met or something silly or whatever. So, what's the first story that comes into your mind, Jackie?
1: It was <laughs> oh my god, he's gonna kill me for saying this. Go on, go on. It was actually... Oh, even better, say that. <laughs> hey, that's, that's the beginning of your
2: speech. Oh, shh. hey, listen, he's gonna kill me, but I'm gonna have to share it with you, right? That's great. Go on, go on. What is it?
1: It was actually when we uh, went on our first holiday together. And we went to a place in Barbados, which I had previously been to a lot because single mum with your son, you need a safe place to go. So we we went back year after year after year. And therefore, in this hotel, we made a bunch of friends that went back year after year after year. And then James comes along with me, like the, the eternally single one, the one that they were always looking after my son for me while I needed to go and wash my hair or something. Suddenly there's James there. And of course, they're delighted for it and everything else. He gets a bit drunk on some Wonderful. To rum? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's was probably a bit of rum to be drunk. I was drinking at the time as well. So we were all carousing. And then he sort of went off to bed. And we, went... Anyway, the middle of the night, I wake up and James isn't there. <laughs> so I'm like, do I leave my son in the room alone to go and find James? Where is he? And I found him sleeping drunkenly by the pool. And I woke him up and I brought him back to the bedroom. And the next day... <laughs> he was suffering and I'd gone down to breakfast early and I told all my friends that this has happened and I said let's play a trick on him let's tell him that he came down and slept by the pool naked and that when everybody woke up they saw oh my so
2: God.
1: we did, we told him that he'd been stopped bollock naked, down at the pool he'd been viewed by everybody and uh, we kept that ruse up for three days And Was he, he- walking
0: around then like to, like oh. waiting for people to glance at him as if like they'd oh my goodness. I me. thought
2: you I thought you were gonna undress him <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, in no, his no. sleep.
2: <laughs> oh oh poor like James. <laughs> so that's quite good, and then you can say that was
1: so, a bit mean. was
2: so, a bit mean. So a good a good payoff for that little story could be so I've decided I'm not gonna think about my audience naked, but you can certainly imagine James, naked James. at this moment. <laughs> Boom. Oh, my god, It writes itself. It's sorely gold. writes itself. The, thing about, That's the end. <laughs> right, it's a nice ending, that. Um, but the thing about a, a speech or a story like that is it does write itself. And when you transport us into your holiday, we can live that moment. We can live that. We can be on that holiday with you for a few seconds.
1: There's so the, a couple or, coming who are from that group. Well, then or, say
2: and you two. So, what are their names? <laughs> what are their names? the beaver stocks the beaver stock where are they where beaver, are the beaver, stops. Stops? beaver stops there you've been there haven't you, you know, asked <laughs> the gory details you know um <laughs> it's a it, little specific bits of information and detail is actually quite good because also you've got the atmosphere the taste you know five senses you know what do you smell what do you taste just little little spicy bits so yeah. you know exactly what you were drinking what the name of the hotel is exactly where were you was it on the you know what sort of what Was the atmosphere like kind of thing? What does it smell yeah, I was, like?
1: I was truncating it for time here, but yeah, I yeah. Feel about the yeah, but it doesn't take
2: long just to kind of <laughs> transport, uh, you know, to take us there quickly. And that, that's, that's really
1: the- interesting you say that that imagery because I was talking to a girl yesterday that I do a lot of mentoring of young people, a lot of young women about getting into PR, and one of uh, the ladies that I'd been mentoring as part of lecturing she came back to me and she said I want to talk to you a bit more one-on-one I was talking to her yesterday and she was saying so how you know I'm having problems with my pitching how do you think I should pitch this and I said if you could put an image in to your pitch if you can make people actually physically see and feel what you're talking about rather than go oh this is a really interesting hotel in the in the Hebrides if you go about if you're talking about the flora and fauna there and all the amazing sights and wildlife and everything else that you can experience and see that will paint the picture much better than just talking about the hotel.
2: Oh, and- absolutely. I love, you know, I love this sort of conversation. And This is, this is, this is what I live for is coming up <laughs> with ideas of stories and imagery. So you talk about the Hebrides as in the, the outer Hebrides in North of Scotland. Yeah. No, it's like, absolutely. And, and, and also with press releases or any kind of pitching people quite often, give you lots of really lovely information but information isn't interesting you know stories and images and feelings so you know there's not there's not one way of doing it either there's lots of different ways but something like the outer hebrides you know it's like picture this yes well i find that everyone you're on a country road
0: yeah I, yeah, I, i find that everyone can relate to things like this as well like for example when i was writing my wedding speech Advice I was given by someone I knew who had done um, a wedding speech at his own wedding, sort of a few months prior to mine, was that obviously you're going to want to reference really close friends of yours, like who are kind of on your side of the wedding, as it were. But there is a way of telling those stories that involve your friends, you know, the information heavy version of it would be very very specific to that group of 10 15 lads and then the other 80 people in the room are going oh i'm sure that's very funny i, I have no idea why but i'm sure it's very funny yeah. whereas if you tell a story that brings everyone into that story so that it's as if they are all the group of 15 lads like all 100 of them are basically your group of lads if you tell they're it, they're all sitting way, at the
2: table yeah, drinking some exactly. Blaming Zambukas.
0: it doesn't matter how specific <laughs> it is to a certain set of people everyone's finding it funny because it's relatable yeah. it's like relative to, to to their own experiences so it's really good advice i think it's brilliant advice
2: yes yeah, so there you go oh, i love that story that's a great and now i've got an image <laughs> of this poor guy next to the swimming pool
0: <laughs> i've got an image of this poor guy for three days
2: i know and i'm just imagining the cocktail i can taste I don't yeah. know, pineapple, <laughs> coconut. I've got a straw. I've got a little <laughs> cocktail umbrella. You know, yeah. I'm actually there on the holiday. It's this great holiday with you. So that's... Someone
0: who is almost certainly been to Barbados and other exotic locations numerous times in their life.
1: Say uh, Grey Lyle.
0: Is, is Hollywood movie star and heartthrob George Clooney. Uh, and uh, what better way to finish off this, by the way, absolutely yes. brilliant episode of the podcast. We could talk I... all day,
1: Esther. We yes. could. <laughs> i know
2: don't worry we won't if
0: you're watching on youtube (laughs) listeners you've probably seen i've been beaming for about an hour like my face is sore because you i I have to say this by the way before we go into the george Clooney and madonna stories and i do mean this with my heart Mm. it's it's so understandable why you're so good at what you do and why you're so successful and why so many people come to you for help and advice because you really do make people feel so amazing just by being like just being in your presence even virtually you're
1: a radiator like, yeah, oh. you,
2: you really as opposed to a is. drain
1: <laughs> Yes. No, in <laughs> honesty, it's,
0: it's such a skill. I, this you. is a bit of a tangent, but um, someone I am currently doing a play with, Lovey Jensen, if you're listening, uh, thank you for listening, Jensen. Lovely Jensen, who's playing Mikusho in this production of Romeo and Juliet that I'm in at the yes. moment. He was in the first two seasons of Bridgerton as a dancer. He was he was on Netflix Ooh. first, season. and he was speaking to me about um, Phoebe Deneva who was, oh yes, um, the the lead in in both the first two series. Yes, and he said that she is one of the nicest people he has ever worked with, but more than that. She had this unbelievable skill that he's only seen in maybe one, possibly two people otherwise, which is that in any situation, she just was able to defuse and disarm anything. She was just, she lifted the entire room, whichever room she was in. And if there was ever a crisis moment, She would say something or do something that just somehow managed to completely diffuse the tension and everyone was just like in fits of laughter and fits of hysterics and then they do a take and she was just that sort of person and you are the same personality. I get the sense that being in a room with you, it's no wonder you are such a brilliant producer as well with all these occasionally troubling and, and and difficult people around <laughs> troubles no trouble yeah, but talk to us I mean and, and you know thank you so much George
2: Clooney yeah no well, yeah. well thank you again well I, it's, I'm really I'm loving it I'm loving it it's great both <laughs> of you have been great I'm so happy about the wedding it's exciting Lyle <laughs> thank you for being such a great host and look at no I can't take a compliment but I will say thank you thank you for complimenting me normally i'm the one giving the compliments and oh, i'm not sure what i'm like at receiving compliments no. so i will not... say thank you not not some awful self-deprecating remarks so i'm just going to take it i'll no, take no. that You're very i'll take welcome. that You're welcome. i'll put it i'll put it into my heart there you go um so a quick george clooney story so oh, in yeah. 1996 to 1997 my first job was to interview celebrities. And if you go on my website, there's a blog about me interviewing Lenny Kravitz. I've, I've written about it quite a lot. And one time I was asked, go and interview George Clooney. It's at the Rock Circus in Piccadilly Circus at the time. And you have to turn up with all the press there. I think the interview was going to go out on Virgin Radio. Can't remember what which radio station it was. And But I was basically, it was very early on in my career. Didn't really I was a bit Bridget Jones's diary. I just had to hold a microphone and clips from other people didn't really need my own voice in it anyway so I turn up at the rock circus or where it was and you know there's radio one camera crew there the hacks over here quite a bunch of the press As, as you know it's the typical press junket as PR people would know so we're waiting around and of course you know the camera the camera people are like typical typical Hollywood typical Stars. It always late. Always late. Yeah. Ooh, who do you think he is? Who is he? The ER guy. The ER. You know. The, remember ER? I mean, that's how long ago it was when he was wearing uh, the green outfits and when he was the doctor in ER. You know, they're kind of like really rude. Like they're just making you know making fun of him. Anyway, there's a guy literally sitting right next to us with a baseball cap, drinking coffee, and he turns around and goes, "Hi guys, I'm right here." <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like, "So <laughs> <laughs> he's literally in the middle of ourselves sitting at the table but the the, the it was so funny because I was like he's not very big is he he's not, he's not actually that good looking <laughs> he, he wasn't like George Clooney when he was sitting there with the baseball cap he was just some bloke sitting there and when you meet people in real life they're not as big they're not as tall they're not as muscly right. they're not they haven't got makeup on they're not as chiseled they're never that good looking really <laughs> you, you get like oh my goodness they're amazing compared to what they compared to television or film so so yeah so that so, so the story there is he wasn't that good looking i'm afraid <laughs>
0: that is a <laughs> but he was very nice we exclusive listeners George Theology. Clooney is now joking. <laughs> <Isn't it? Yeah. laughs> is he, he was really, he
2: was just, guess what? And then, you know, this is my great showbiz stories. He's just a normal bloke. Yeah. Was he <laughs> and just that's really what nice? happens. He when you like meet a... people, you're Absolutely. like, oh, they're just like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. Funny that. So, yeah. And then just a quick one about Madonna. It was at the Avita. they know the film Avita, Yeah. yeah. And, and it was the press junket for that. So the first thing was all of them on the panel, um, it was Alan Parker, the director, Antonio Banderas, Jimmy Nail was in it, and they were all sitting there. And Madonna wasn't there yet, right? <laughs> and it was at the um, the uh, something like the Hyde Park something hotel, or the, it wasn't the Dorchester, it was near Hyde Park. Anyway, it, you know, it was one of those big ballrooms, and they'd set it up for the world's press. So all the cameras at the back, things that you plug into at the front, the panel. So you've got these big stars sitting there, Antonio Banderas sitting there, right? And then Madonna's hasn't arrived, so we're all, you know, all the press are there. Probably about maybe eighty-five, maybe a hundred people, literally, you know, just waiting for her to come for this uh, press conference. Anyway, so she doesn't come. And she doesn't come and, and you know, and we're chatting and, you know, and then that, we're like, well, should we have a quick interview with Antonio Banderas? He's just sitting there, you know, for God's sake. So people are milling around. She doesn't come. <laughs> Literally two hours later, right? Wow. And, you know, everyone's like, we're just having a bit of a party. It's great. We've got to get the morning off work. You know, no one's going to work. <laughs> just mucking around. And then then a Madonna arrives and I was a huge Madonna fan. And we were meant to have like a minute or so with, with her. But because she was so late, no one had time to do one to ones. But she literally, she walked in and it was, she was just in a mood. She wasn't very nice.
1: Oh, no. She kind of walks in, she's
2: like, "Hi," you know. It just kind of the whole and literally, we went from like laughing and throwing bits of paper around and chatting to,
1: whew, oh no, she's a drain. What's that? Was she a drain?
2: Yeah. yeah. She, she I don't think she liked the press. I think at the time maybe she had just had a baby or whatever. Lorde's was born, I think, around about that time. I don't know. Look, look she's got yeah. her life, of course, her life might have been falling apart behind the scenes. Who knows? But the but the so the so first but she it was extraordinary how it was like you know, um Elsa in Frozen and she goes and the yeah. lake goes frozen. It was literally <laughs> like <laughs> how wow. to make how and you could hear a pin drop, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and that's all about
0: expectation as well, isn't it? Because yeah. I mean, you, know, you 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 expected her to be there, then there's two hours past, then you're actually you're making the best of you know the situation, you're having a good time, you know, you're chatting to Antonio Banderas. Yeah. My mum, by the way, would be extraordinarily jealous.
2: Antonio Banderas, yes, <laughs> Banderas. He, he was. He's pretty good looking. And it's it was quite extraordinary the way he was just kind of. Everyone's ignoring it, waiting for Madonna
0: to come. I mean, <laughs> I don't get me wrong. I respect Madonna and I have a lot of time for Madonna, but I would be like right up there with Antonio Banderas. I'm, I'm a big, big Antonio Banderas fan. Zorro, you know, Puss in Boots. Zorro, you know, I'm a big, big fan. Zorro. You know, I think I, although he would hate me straight away if I'm like Antonio, Antonio Zorro. Yeah, he'd hate it straight he'd be like...
2: away get out how dare you mention i do so many other
0: things um oh these are amazing like i say we could talk and talk and talk and we would love to have you by the way esther we'd love to have you back on the podcast later down the line if you if you'd be happy to come back on and and talk more about just just what you do and and like how things are going it'd be lovely to have you back on if if you'll if you'll have us basically yeah
2: yes of course thank you so much i would love to come back
0: Amazing. I want to hear
1: about the wedding. <laughs> yeah.
0: no, I, <laughs> I think there is going to be a wedding debrief podcast. Don't you worry about that. There will 100% be a wedding. We were break talking now.
1: about doing a podcast
2: on the day. I have ideas. Uh, I don't think your head will be quite in the right frame of mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this guy's will though. This guy as well. There we Every go. Customer. I think it'd be an interesting social experiment. <laughs> um, no, but I think uh oh, fantastic. Thank you so so much for, for coming on the podcast. It's been absolutely lovely to have you. Like I say, I've just been beaming throughout my face is sore. I'm absolutely loving it. And we will link everything here there and everywhere in yeah, our... link
2: in, link in with me, Esther Stanhope, yeah. and you'll get a free audio book if you ask for it. Oh, there you, you go bit. there
0: you go brilliant stuff i'm gonna go and have a listen to that this weekend as well absolutely because i'm driving up to yorkshire actually this evening for a friend of mine's wedding so i'll pop it on in the car i can't wait i'm really really excited and we'll link everything as well we'll link the 80 percent perfect club um we'll link everything across to esther's linkedin as well thank you so so book. much uh, and the book as well yeah if we can but obviously dm oh Esther yes as well. That'd be absolutely fantastic yeah. Ts and c's as well quickly listeners cover. yeah do the cover yeah as well yeah sort of uh, goodbye glossophobia there it is there you go we'll do that the cover's brilliant fantastic <laughs> award-winning Award yes goodbye glossophobia um uh, and i've also learned about a new word today as well so i'm learning loads and loads of things a few quick T's and c's listeners before we say goodbye uh for this particular episode if you would like to get in touch with us and appear on the podcast or let us know about a topic you would like us to discuss with brilliant guests such as Esther. You can do so by emailing us at info at the rest is pr.com And you can also email us info at Head over to both of those websites as well the rest is pr.com for all things podcasts and demozo.com for all things demozo. Lots happening currently particularly now because we're having to do work at an alarming rate so that Jackie can go off and focus on getting married and important life things. Uh, So head over to DeVozo.com for all things DeVozo and what we've been up to. You can also follow us on Twitter at the rest is PR capital T capital R capital I capital PR. And you can also message Jackie and myself on LinkedIn. And Esther's just said as well that you can also go and connect with uh, Esther on LinkedIn. I would strongly encourage it because I'm just i've met an amazing person today in real life and also i'm getting loads of free stuff um, so yeah absolutely <laughs> do it and loads of brilliant advice as well so absolutely do that esther thank you so so much for coming on the podcast you are just a rare sunshine i mean that in the in the honestly in the most fullest way possible jackie same time next week absolutely brilliant stuff well thank you so much listeners for being with us on yet another fantastic episode of the rest is pr but for now from esther jackie and myself take care of yourself it's bye for now